Well, good morning, New Life Manitou. I'm glad to see all of you. Hello. Um, uh, my name's Brett. I'm one of the pastors with uh, New Life. Uh, if you're new-ish or around and I haven't ever met you, uh, I'm not Joe Kirkendall. Not the pastor. Oh, there we are. There's life here in my voice. Spring in my step now. Um, let me know if there's anything I need to do to, um, with the mic, damn. Okay. Very good. I'm glad to see all of you this morning. We are in our second week in a new summer series that we're, where we're actually exploring the book of Proverbs. And so you can go ahead and turn there if you've got a codex, if you've got like a physical copy of the Bible, go ahead and turn there. If you, uh, if you don't, you can go ahead and maybe get your Bible app loaded on up. We live, um, oh, and we've, changed, we've uh, t- entitled this series, How Do I? do I ellipses, dot, 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 question mark? Because we live in a golden age right now of being able to find out how to do almost anything with just a few taps on the supercomputers that are <laughs> in all of our pockets and in all of our purses and um, that sort of thing. Uh, if you, if you want to know how to change the brakes on your car, well, there's a YouTube video for that. You want to know how to groom your poodle at home, there's, there's a wiki, wiki article, you know, about how to do that, wiki how article or e-how. If you want to know how to print counterfeit money in your garage, well, shame on you. And there's a YouTube video for that. So check it out. Um, don't get caught. Um, I don't know. So we're, we're going to spend the summer um, wrestling through like big questions that most people spend our lives. We, we, we have these questions rattling around in our, in our minds and in our hearts. Um, questions like, well, how do I, uh, next week, how do I find true love? Or, or what do I do now that I've got love and it doesn't seem to be true or something like, or how do I manage my money? Or how do I raise kids that aren't hellions? And aren't, uh, how do I raise kids? Um, Pastor Joe uh, kicked us off last week with um, something of an introduction to the book of Proverbs. And today we're thinking through the first, the most basic, the most elementary of any question that we can ask, and it is a question that we are asking. Um, we may, might not just, we just might not be asking it this way. The question is, how do I become wise? How do I become wise? Because that's what every single one of us, regardless of whether you've thought about it this morning or not, um, it's what we want. Even though we may not phrase it this way, um, we all want wisdom, even though we may not (laughs) call it that. Um, So we need to uh, circle back and remind ourselves what Joe said last week. It was a brilliant quote from the uh, patron saint of New Life, Eugene Peterson, uh, defining what uh, wisdom actually is. Wisdom, Eugene Peterson says, wisdom is the art of skillfully living in whatever actual conditions we find ourselves. That's... That's all we're talking about with wisdom. How do we skillfully navigate? How do we live skillfully in whatever actual conditions we find? That's what we all wanted in the year 2020. These are the conditions on the ground. How do I skillfully navigate these waters? Um, It's what we all want. I I want it. You do too. Um, We have two uh, little girls, uh, if you 
haven't been around. Um, their names are Daphne and Daisy. They are five and four, and they will be in kindergarten and preschool next year. And for the last couple of years, we've just continued to tell them again and again, you've got to learn these funny little shapes, these funny little lines that have got, like, they're, they're these funny little lines that you see everywhere on signs, on television, on, in books. You've got to learn these funny little shapes. It's going to take some time, but once you get this really basic thing down, once you get this really elementary thing down, these funny lines and shapes that's, that make no sense right now, they're completely arbitrary. Um, they have sounds that go with them, and these lines and shapes are going to work together to make words. And this basic thing is going to open up brand new worlds to you. This basic thing, the alphabet, is the path by which you're going to learn almost everything else. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about acquiring wisdom. It's the basic thing that's going to open up new worlds to us. And so the question of how do I become wise is really the question, how do I skillfully navigate life? That's what we're talking about when we're talking about wisdom. How do I skillfully navigate life. Because a lot of times we hear the words wise or wisdom or something like that. <laughs> they sound really boring or they sound like they evoke like BBC's Sherlock, Benedict Cumberbatch, any role that he's ever played. Like that's a wise person. Somebody who's like super gifted intellectually or like they know a whole lot of information in their head. Someone that's, who's wise has all the information. They're very, it's someone who's super learned, you know, or someone that's got all kinds of experience or something uh, like that. But that's actually not what the sages of Israel meant when they talked about chokmah, when they talked about wisdom. Being wise is not, um, it's not like a destination that you arrive at. Like, okay, I am now Benedict Cumberbatch and able to decipher all the patterns in the world. Um, or something like, it's not like a destination you've arrived at. Being wise is actually a posture that prepares us to play the game well. Is what, is what wisdom is. It's like the thing that starts us out. It's like the batting stance. I haven't done a batting stance. In a, elbow up, from what I remember. You choke up on the back. It's like the bat, it's the, right? It's the stance by which you're going to be able to hit whatever ball life throws at you and it comes your way. Being wise is not the destination. It's the path by which we learn everything else. So how do I skillfully navigate life? Well, this is proper, there's a famous answer to this that you might, uh, you might be familiar with. The first nine chapters of Proverbs, um, not all of the Proverbs is, are Proverbs. The first nine chapters of Proverbs are actually like a series of poems that are like uh, framed as parents. Uh, a father in particular, giving guidance to their, to their child, to their, to their son. And these nine chapters are setting up every bit of what we're going to find in the rest of the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is framed right here. Chapters 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 9 are, uh, is framed as parents 
guiding children and saying again and again. It's actually 10 speeches is what you've got in the first nine chapters. It's very intentional. Learn wisdom is what they're saying. Be wise because it is the basic thing by which you're going to learn everything else. And these nine chapters, uh, nine opening chapters, they begin... And they end with the same famous expression that you may be familiar with. We'll throw it up here on the screen. Um, Chapter 1, verse 7, right after an introduction, it says, The fear of the Lord, the fear of Yahweh. The fear of Yahweh, that's when Lord is all capital letters, um, Yahweh is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. And then after, after these nine chapters, as they're ending, the, in case you forgot, the fear of Yahweh is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So that expression, the fear of Yahweh, the fear of the Lord, dun, 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 it's what we want to explore for just a couple of minutes this morning. Uh, wisdom is the alphabet by which we begin to read. It is the batting stance by which we begin to learn to be able to play the game. And evidently, fear of the Lord is the equivalent of choking up. It's the the equivalent of like having the right posture in our lives. Um, It's how we learn the letters. And so most of us have heard this expression before, fear of the Lord, right? Most of us have heard this. Even if you're not in church, you've heard it a little bit. Um, But what in the world does it mean? (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, um, because if we're not clear on this, how are we going to move forward at all? How are we going to do anything? This is really basic. We need to wrap our minds around this um, and wrap our souls around it. Because most of us have rightly, at some point, um, we have rightly understood that this is not meant to be a generalized terror of God. If you've heard, you should not be terrified of God. They were right. You shouldn't be. Uh, The God who comes among us as Jesus is not asking us to perpetually grovel before him or live in fear of him. No, God comes among us healing us and forgiving us and serving us and dining with us and dying for us, making us whole and calling us friends. That's what God is like. And so most of us get that a generalized terror, like uh, Zeus might strike me with like, you know, like a lightning bolt or something, that, um, that is not what we're talking about with fear of the Lord, um, but we're talking about something more akin to like a, a profound sense of awe or, or respect or um, reverence. Um, but many of us, I'm afraid, have just swapped out the word fear for like the word reverence, and then we've kept coasting with the rest of the assumptions that we've always had about God. And these assumptions go something like this. The batting stance that I need for life, that I need to practice, the alphabet that I need to learn, it, the most basic thing for me is I need to learn all the rules. That's what God wants me to do. It's not fear, it's not terror of the Lord driving me to this. It's an irreverence for God. But the really important thing is that I learn all the rules. Wisdom, we assume, 
is like an encyclopedic knowledge of all the right things to do in all the right circumstances. And once, if there was some person somewhere that could like learn, download all of the rules and meticulously obey them out of reverence for God, not fear of God. Yeah, 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 what we think. We know it's not terror, but the point is mostly the same. God has clear cut guidance for us that we need to just listen to and obey, right? That's what we're coasting along on most of the time. The only problem is, and we we assume this about the Proverbs a lot of times. We assume that the Proverbs are giving us like, oh, real clear-cut guidance on this. But the problem is the Proverbs are not even giving us clear-cut guidance most of the time. Take this for example. Proverbs 26, it's like the textbook example. Do not answer a fool according to his folly or you yourself will be just like him. Okay, got the rule. Next verse. Answer a fool according to his folly, or he will be wise in his own eyes. Wait a second. Which one do I do? We've got a contradiction in the Bible. Look at this. The stupid sorts of stuff that trolls on the internet find. Uh, Which one do we do? Because there's this moron at work, and I'm not quite sure how to respond to him. Do I answer the fool, or do I not answer the fool? In riddles, Proverbs speaks. You know, it's like, do, that was pretty good, right? I, I did my golem back at the end of last year. You know, you can go find it on YouTube or something. Uh, do, do you feel the ambiguity right here? Do you feel this? The ambiguity. Do you feel the tension between one is saying one thing and one is saying another? <laughs> like, and it's super intentional. These proverbs are literally back to back. And it's like we're caught in between these two proverbs, like two charges of a battery almost, you know? Verse four has this negative charge, and verse five has this positive charge, and the electricity, that the middle space between the proverbs, the space between them, that's where all the electricity, all the magic is happening. You guys have seen like in a movie where they're like setting up like things for like a portal, you know, to appear. We're gonna go through, and there's just like two, big metal rods and then all of a sudden at some point someone flips a switch and then you know something happens in between them that's what the proverbs do they set up two things and then the magic happens between that's where wisdom is found is actually in the space between and it's pretty much the opposite of clear-cut guidance isn't it Sometimes you answer the moron at work. Sometimes you don't answer them. (laughs) There isn't a rule on this, which for for all of us is really disorienting and stretching and humbling. And do you want to know a secret about the Proverbs? That that's uh, about almost all of them. That's what they're designed to do. They're designed to humble us, to make us say, like, in the really clear cut, like, there's no clear cut answer. Um, in the middle space, in this curious gap between what the Proverbs 
say between two side-by-side proverbs, um, that is what humbles us. Most of the time, the proverbs, um, most of the time, they're not back-to-back proverbs. Most of the time, the clear-cut middle space, the curious gap, is actually within proverbs themselves. So, like, within just the proverbs are usually two lines, and usually the two lines are making the gap that you're supposed to, like, sit in and that are going to humble you. You have to read them carefully. You have to read them slowly. A lot of times you have to, um, you have to read different English translations because English translations a lot of times are trying to smooth them out and make us more comfortable with what's being said and trying to iron out all of the wrinkles and the ambiguity. But the ambiguity is actually the point of the Proverbs. Wisdom is being formed in us as we live in the tension, in the space, in the curious gap between the two Proverbs or the lines of the Proverbs. We could say it this way. The Proverbs are designed with curious gaps that train us to risk humility. To risk humility. To risk admitting to ourselves before God, I will never have all of the answers. I will never know what to do in all of the circumstances. With the fool at work, wisdom does not look like downloading some rule and then autopiloting through some sort of response. Wisdom, apparently, involves humbly approaching the situation and the day and this person and like muddling through in love and humility. Apparently that's what wisdom looks like, is muddling through in love and humility. You may answer the fool that day, and you may end up looking like a fool yourself, or you may stay quiet that day, and the fool might walk away with a win. Like, oh, gosh. The right practice is not always clear, but the right posture is clear. That's the point, and it's built into the Proverbs themselves. The right posture is humility. Whatever we do, we are muddling forward in humility. Perhaps it's uh, helpful to think about, uh, to think in, uh, about gravity for just a second. We could think about it in a similar way to the way we think about gravity. Most of us, I hope, <laughs> have, a, have a healthy fear A deep, abiding awe and respect and reverence for gravity. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like a, a humility before gravity, a submission to gravity. Most of us are not jumping off bridges or jumping off buildings, but we're also pretty careful with the way that we walk particularly downstairs, um, and we're careful not to like set our coffee mug too close to the edge of the table or something, um, because the fear of gravity is the beginning of walking. That's, that's the, like, we're not afraid of, gra- but we're, we're, we have a healthy respect. Gravity can and will humble 
even the loftiest of kings, the smartest of scientists, the most famous of celebrities. Not even Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk can say, do you know how much I'm worth? I pay no heed to puny details like gravity. I'm going, no, nobody does it. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter who you are, how much you're worth, what your portfolio is, if you don't mind the way you step off the curb, gravity will bring you low. (laughs) Even the CEOs of the largest companies are humble in the face of gravity. Proverbs is saying something similar. Um, And one proverb actually, helpfully, you can go and throw it up there, Proverbs 22 um, actually defines the fear of the Lord for us. Very helpful. Humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches, honor, and life. You may have a different translation, depending, and you should. You should look at different English translations um, because the Proverbs are poetry. They're like tight word bundles. That des- they're designed to make you ponder. And so when we bring them into English, we're having to like loosen the bundles a little bit and kind of iron out the, the wrinkles and stuff. But here, the NIV is doing a really good job of conveying that humility and fear of Yahweh are in Apposition, this is the grammatical like language. They're in apposition to each other. They're really, they're next to each other. They're, they're designed to inform each other. They're, they're defining each other. The fear of the Lord, by definition, is the life of humility. And not just like a humility before God, like in the abstract. No. As you read through the book of Proverbs, humility before Yahweh is humility before others. Two, remember how Proverbs is framed, the chapter one through nine. A child is hearing God's guidance through whom? Through his elders, through his parents. The question is, will you listen, child? Will you yield to another person's voice? Will we accept guidance in our lives? Will we submit to discipline? Will we stop and ask for directions for crying out loud? Anyone else hate doing that? You have to do it like less in a car now because of GPS, but like when you get into a building sometimes you have to ask for directions. I hate it. We, we, we hate asking for directions because it's an act of humility. It's an act of, it's an admission. I don't know where I'm going. Can you help me? One might say, the reverence of GPS is the beginning of directions. The fear of Yoda is the beginning of training. We, um, the humility is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord, we could say it this way. We skillfully navigate life by yielding to a master. That's how we learn to skillfully navigate life. We listen to people around us in a posture of humility, in a willingness to say, I don't know everything. I am lost. Can you give me directions? God, but also parents or 
peers or respected people in your lives, people who are trustworthy. You say, I don't know what to do. Can you please guide me? That is the most basic thing that we can do, according to Proverbs. That's where we start. That's us learning our letters. That's us choking up on the bat. We won't get anywhere without this posture. And it begs the question for all of us, what is the area of our lives in which uh, the area, the place where we're like wandering around, where we feel just like utterly lost and where we are refusing humility? We we will not get found until we get low, (laughs) until we finally say, okay, I need help with this. This is a mess. Please guide me. Can you give me directions? The life of humility. That's the life that leads to the end of this verse that we just read. Riches and honor and life. And here, as we're winding down, here we actually find one more gap, don't we? It was built into this proverb, and I hope we noticed it. It's how you read the Proverbs. There's a gap in this Proverbs. Humility is the fear of Yahweh. And then the second line, its wages are riches and honor and life. There's a curious gap between these two lines, isn't it? It's like, this time, it's, um, it's not... Uh, the contrast of two things that are different from each other. It's the contrast of like logical progression. I haven't seen these two things line up a lot of times in my own life. The fear of the Lord is humility. Are we sure that this leads to riches and honor and life? Because I live in the real world and very often the humble are getting trampled by the proud right? Uh, It's very often the loud who are being hailed with honor rather than those who are walking with quiet integrity, isn't it? Very often we see a corrupt wealthy class or corporations or whatever taking advantage of the meek and not talk about their wages. They're not even getting like a living wage a lot of times. There's a curious gap right here in the Proverbs. It's really a yawning chasm between like, it's the middle space where all of our lives are lived. And it's here in this gap that we have to risk humility again. We have to risk continuing to submit, continuing to do the right thing, even when we haven't seen the wages of humility yet. Even when we haven't seen it yet, I am going to yield to the master I'm going to yield to Yoda on my back, walking through the Dagobah. Even though what he's saying makes no sense, I need a master for living, and I'm going to listen to him. Who, who, this one who can instruct me, even though his ways seem utterly foolish. No matter, like, no matter how much any of us scramble for riches and honor in life, every single person that we have ever known and that has ever lived winds up leaving all of our stuff to those after us. 
and lies forgotten, not honored, forgotten in a grave. (laughs) That's the story. We are all scrambling, lost, looking for life, and all we end up finding in the end is death. And so this curious gap, actually, the Proverbs actually provoke me to look for a master, look for a person whose humility has actually grown riches and honor and life. And wouldn't you know it, that's what we find in the person of Jesus of Nazareth the one person whose life was lived in perfect reverence to God, who lived in perfect submission, and we see in him a life that death cannot hold on to. In him, we finally see the wages of Easter, the wages of humility, the wages of humility They are Easter, their honor, and joy untold, and life eternal. What I'm saying is the Proverbs with their curious gaps and the humility that I'm like, it doesn't feel like life works that way. They provoke me to look for somebody who can guide me, who can help me skillfully navigate life. And I'm just here to tell you that only the resurrected can instruct the dying. Like every single one of us has got a clock ticking and we cannot find wages or honor or riches or life or any of it. And we need somebody who has come out the far side of death. Somebody who has made it. Somebody who intimately knows the temptation that we all face. Somebody who can help us abandon the mad scramble for life and trying to like seize whatever we can. Somebody who who said actually with us, not my will, but yours be done. Someone who experienced the depth of sorrow of being trampled underfoot by the powerful, and yet he still lives. And still, he lives not for himself, but to make you alive, to make us alive, to make all of us alive. Whoever that is, that's the master of living that can guide the dying into life. And we ought to throw our whole selves into learning wisdom from this one.